Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. We come to you once again today with some very concerning news to start with. The number of reported cases in the country has crossed 430 and this number only seems to be ticking upward. 19 states and union territories now have announced today that they would impose a lockdown in order to stop the spread of the virus. Remember in our episode that we recorded last night we had said that 75 districts were going into lockdown so that measure that policy has really expanded and the country it seems now is slowly grinding to a halt. All train and bus services between states have been cancelled. All domestic flights will stop flying from tomorrow night. And yeah, that's where we are at the moment. So, we are covering many things in the show today. The first update is actually from the US, from our correspondent over there, Shriram Lakshman. The big global news headline of the day is that New York has now emerged as a new epicenter of the virus. The city alone now accounts for about 5% of the world's confirmed cases. So, while we've been understandably laser focused on what's going on here, the situation is also rapidly changing and escalating in the US. Shriram Lakshman joins me in our first segment, and then I'm joined briefly once again by Jacob Koshi, the Hindu's deputy science editor, and Suhasini Haider, the Hindu's national editor. They'll give us updates on a new drug that the Indian Council for Medical Research has said today can be used for high-risk cases. We'll get some clarity on that, and we'll also check in on the evacuation of Indians from around the world who are waiting to come back to India. We do that on the show on most days. We'll give you a status update on that, and let's start the show. Shriram Lakshman, hello, welcome to the podcast. Um, I think we're speaking now on a really important day, especially when we're looking at the US because uh, the cases there have. exponentially increased over the past one week and we're hearing today that um the, the city of new york is now the state of new york is now one of the uh, could be one of the epicenters uh, for the virus so just you know we've been a lot of our focus has been on india over the past week as we've gone through um as we have, as we are going through like a spike in the number of reported cases but what's been happening in the us over the over the past one week and how has new york now reached this state so basically agent uh, this weekend andrew cuomo who's the governor of new york state said 40 to 80% of new york state residents could in, get infected with this virus as it runs its course and as you had mentioned um the new york city region so new york city and the surrounding regions account for some 5% of worldwide uh, covid-19 cases so new york state is being considered an epicenter of the disease so in new york city alone there've been like 8000 cases and this is a city of 8 million people it's a very dense city and there've been 60 deaths Um, if you look at the whole state, New York State, there have been about sixteen thousand eight eighty-seven cases as of Sunday night. That's our Monday morning in India. I guess it's Monday morning, and I guess the number has probably grown over the course of the day. And there have been at least a hundred and fifty deaths. And um, so this is a very serious problem, and it's uh, uh, it, it's really grown over the last week. And one of the uh, the U.S. has not quite kept. pace with the disease both in terms of testing in terms of uh, instituting regulations across states you know washington state which is in the which is in the northwest of the country that was sort of leading the country in terms of the number of cases it had reported and 
uh, all schools were shut down there a couple of weeks ago even uh, new york city has also now gone into like um, everyone staying at home there are some essential services open california has also um, uh, shut down so the mentality has changed over the last week a lot of states are instituting some form of stay at home order or the other as this disease spreads right i think the the kind of news point that i at which i followed the us last was that they weren't taking testing seriously enough or they weren't um, you know they were in some sort of denial about the actual scale of the problems that they're going to face um the the voices coming out of the administration now has that changed drastically so that is changing uh, but there is still a huge shortage of tests so if you uh, rand paul for example um he's one of he's a us lawmaker he actually has been traveling quite a bit and he tweeted that he had tested positive for this he's been asymptomatic and then you look on twitter and you see someone saying there's this child in my family that has a dry cough and 104 degrees fever who's not able to get a test so you know just like uh, perhaps we've heard a little bit of this in india as well where you have celebrities and politicians who are able to get tests uh, whereas normal people who are much more symptomatic are not able to get tests and that's because there's been a shortage of tests in the us and um speaking of shortages jent um there's also a shortage of uh, uh other equipment um uh, in the us yeah. and don't forget like every time you do a test you need a mask and gloves just for that and that's one pair of mask and gloves less for some patient who's more seriously ill so you know there are wheels within wheels and it's complicated but one of the reasons you're seeing an increase in the number of uh, covid cases in the us is a they are increasing obviously as the disease spread but also more people are getting tested right yeah i think i think that's the that's one of the really scary things to read because um you know we're we're trying to get an idea of how many cases might eventually hit india and we don't we're not really sure how our um, health system our hospital system is going to deal with it now when you read reports about uh, the richest country in the world having this problem with essential supplies um i think that's really concerning to us i would just wanted to uh, ask you in a little bit more detail is this basically hospital equipment um, also like ventilators and stuff or is it just at the level of very very basic supplies uh, does it go down to that level So it's everything Jayant it's at all levels for example i think the new york times had estimated that um the us has about 170000 ventilators and the american hospital association had said that 960000 people will need these ventilators over the course of this pandemic so you know 170000 is the supply and the demand is potentially 960000 there's a huge gap over there so obviously not all 960000 people will require the ventilators at the same time hopefully so i think one of the focuses is to not have everyone peaking and needing those ventilators right now but hopefully it'll be spread out over a period of time but yes there's a shortage of ventilators which are you know at the end stage those are the most crucial to bring people back but there's also a shortage of gloves masks uh gowns uh and you know i've spoken i've some a uh, friend of mine uh, who's a uh, doctor in massachusetts she was talking about how she she her colleagues and she they were making masks at home they were using construction masks people are being asked to uh, come up with whatever they can to protect themselves and this uh, puts people who are frontline workers at great risk but to answer your question shortages are at all levels and they extend beyond medical supplies um um 
you know, even last week in Washington, D.C., in central Washington, D.C., uh, grocery stores were running out of food. And there's this uh, fear psychosis and there's this stockpiling mentality and people well, stores were running out of toilet paper. I'm not sure what the connection is with the disease, but not just like uh, meat, frozen foods and bread, but also things like uh, thermometers, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. These are also out. Right, so Sriram, let's just move on to talking about uh, the government's response to this. Um, there, there is a bill, I think, that's pending in Congress to release aid, and that should help things along in some way. But what's what's happening with that? What's the fate of that legislation, that bill? So, Jant, as we're talking about this, I think discussions are going on. It's Monday morning uh, in the U.S. Uh, there's a $1.8 trillion package, but Democrats and Republicans, surprise, surprise, are not able to reach agreement on this. It's stuck in the Senate at the moment. Uh, you know, the bill seeks to provide, I think, about up to $1,200 per adult, uh, $500 for children. There's $350 billion for small businesses, $100 billion for hospitals. There's money for uh, state unemployment insurance, uh, for instance. There's also like a $500 billion fund for loans and guarantees, all right? And this is one of the sticking points. Uh, Democrats are scared that if the Treasury Department has discretion over this $500 billion fund, it's going to be given to companies who are able to curry favor with the White House. So that's one of the sticking points right now. Um, basically... Because so many people are, you know, if you're a small business owner in the U.S., uh, you have to make a very hard choice between keeping your business open and hiring and keeping people on the rolls. So uh, people are looking for funds from the government in order not to send people off during these layoffs. Um, people are looking for funds into their personal bank accounts because they're having to skip work. That's what this bill is uh, going to be about. In general, both the Republicans and the Democrats want the bill to go through but, of course, they are haggling over the nitty-gritty. And uh, that's no surprise, given that's how Washington does, seems to go about its business. Yeah. And, and looking ahead, you know, we've been, we've reported today, we discussed yesterday on the podcast that India is basically grinding slowly to a virtual standstill, a virtual halt. Um, you know, we spoke about New York specifically, but just going across the rest of the US, is the whole country going to sort of eventually just slowly come to a standstill now as this is because the spread just seems unabated so um, you know the spread actually new york started this uh, lockdown uh, over the weekend but other states had already started it uh, earlier than new york for example illinois which is a state of 12 million people had a stay-at-home order from saturday california which is a state of 40 million people had a um, stay-at-home order from last week again uh, like in uh, several parts of India, at least, uh, there have been exceptions made for, you know, grocery stores, uh, transport workers, banks. So the kind of restrictions uh, that are in place will depend on the locality. Each state government, each city government in the United States is trying to balance the economic damage that comes from a lockdown versus the public health benefits that come from a lockdown. Um, uh, for example, Ohio and Louisiana also announced uh, stay-at-home orders. And these Ohio's orders are in place till April 6th and Louisiana's extend till April 12th. So it's not just uh, uh, till March 31st. We're seeing some states go going into uh, next month as well. Trump actually recently tweeted, we cannot let the uh, cure be worse than the problem itself, in all capital letters, of course. Um, and I think... Uh, that is uh, the White House, that's Trump saying, you know, there's going to be economic damage from these lockdowns and 
we can't uh, disrupt life to such an extent that it actually does more damage than the underlying disease. So, uh, as you probably know, Jayant, it's not, uh, you know, the American spirit is not uh, uh, very comfortable with being able to, uh, with, be, with being told to stay at home. Uh, and right. they're not very comfortable with restrictions. I mean, I'm sure that these are issues that India is going to face as well. And I think there was some activity uh, during the curfew yesterday as well. Things didn't go quite as planned. Um, it's hard to impress upon Americans as well to stay at home and it impacts uh, daily life. So, uh, yes, restrictions are spreading, but it remains to be seen how long they'll be in place. Okay. Sriram Lakshman, thank you so much for joining us today. That was a really fascinating insight. We'll speak to you soon, I'm sure, on this podcast series. Thanks, Jeff. Jacob Koshi and Suhasini Haider now join me for the update. Jacob, let's start with you. The National Task Force for COVID-19 today, that's constituted by the um, ICMR, they recommended the use of hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of uh, cases that are at high risk, COVID-19 cases that are at high risk. Now, HCQ is generally used to treat malaria. There have been many things said about this drug over the past few weeks. I remember, if I'm not wrong, that US President Donald Trump also said something about this that turned out to be a little bit premature in terms of its efficacy for treatment. So, just, I think we need some clarity on this. What exactly did the ICMR say and who are they advocating the use of this drug, HCQ4? Hi, Jayant. So, uh, the task force's recommendation regarding hydroxychloroquine is extremely specific. It says it is prescribed only for those who are taking care of a COVID-infected patient or healthcare workers who are in the vicinity of somebody who's being taken care of and who's tested positive. This is a very sensitive drug because it uh, it is it is uses also in conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis and it is not recommended for you know preventive treatment in children under 15 years. It's also not recommended for those who have uh, retinopathy etc. And there are a lot of caveats with this particular drug. The, the the task force's chief concern has the the chief con- uh, problem against hydroxychloroquine is that there is very little clinical data to support uh, the use of this drug for uh, covid cases the only study was a french study that had a very small sample size of less than 20 odd uh, patient, uh, 20 odd subjects if i was if i'm not wrong and that too wasn't the gold standard double blind placebo kind of trial so that is why there has been it is it is it is it it was also not recommended by openly endorsed by Donald Trump's uh, public health advisor Anthony Fauci you know in that conference where Donald Trump seemed to advocate this and his uh, expert advisor was understandably far more uh, cautious. The ICMR's recommendation recommendation would mean that in the overall circumstances, in the overall climate, when they're expecting an uptick in cases there is going to be uh, a lot more concern regarding the right kind of medicines or that can be, we also know very well that there are very few medicines uh, that uh, that are known to have some kind of protective effect, almost nothing actually. So it is actually a very, very uh, circumspect kind of uh, advisory and the drug has to be given only under the prescription of a registered medical practitioner and uh, it is 
it is recommended that it be given maximum uh, 400 grams twice a day on and then 400 grams once weekly for the next seven weeks so it is has to be taken very cautiously and it, the icmr stresses multiple times that this is not really any kind of solution or is it is not a generic kind of treatment for uh, covid-19 as a preventive measure okay and so hasni we are continuing to monitor the situation with travel restrictions and you know the evacuation of indians uh, from other parts of the world uh, to come back here those uh, you know, we spoke about earlier the health ministry has said that those who are positive uh, who have tested positive can't come back but there are a bunch of others stuck in various parts of the world what is the latest update on that today well jent you know we've been reporting on this that uh, because of the travel advisories that the government put out between the Mar- between march 11th and about march 17th thousands of indians have been stranded in different cities around the world because they were there on work or they were there for a, a trip and uh, countries that came under the coronavirus pandemic uh, you know then became very difficult to get out of because india has put these restrictions remember india is really the only country that actually stopped its own citizens from coming back many think it's actually been a very prudent measure um however the the fact remains that there are these thousands around the world of which about a few hundred were actually stuck in transit in different airports you know something like the movie terminal really where they were in transit so they couldn't go into the cities uh, and they uh, could not return to india because they were in transit in countries in europe there are about 37 countries in all europe and uh, um uh, and some parts of southeast asia from where india was not accepting flights um the government has moved very quickly in the last 3 or 4 days to try and clear all those who are in transit in various places uh, 104 back from kuala lumpur uh, they had a terrible story where they spent 6 days and nights uh, just stuck inside a part of the kuala lumpur international airport but still refused to leave uh, for fear that they would miss their flights back home um those are come Uh, have come back and then we have uh, a few in london as well i think about 17 but what was important is that the government and officials told us quite clearly that they are now planning no more special flights uh, maybe for the ones from london there are about 400 indians uh, in iran that may come back by a separate special flight but apart from that that is really winding down um so we are seeing the lockdown in place at airports all commercial flights international flights have been stopped from march 22nd till march 29th now domestic flights have also been um uh, taken off uh from tomorrow and uh, um and the special flights as well are being wound up i think the only exceptions that will remain is if foreign nationals need to be evacuated from india i think there are a few thousand germans there are some americans uh, and a few others who might be evacuated out of india in the next couple of days but we're expecting to see completely clear skies with no air traffic uh, for the foreseeable future or at least until this set of ins- uh, restrictions end expected march 29th but that could be extended and just to be clear the fact that this we are stopping uh, these special flights does that mean that the uh, the external affairs ministry or the health ministry hasn't identified any significantly large group of indians stuck anywhere else in the world well what's happened is those who have got stuck but weren't inside the airport themselves are just practically out of luck so embassies around the world say they're helping them find low cost uh, play, uh, you know accommodation hostels uh, some in hotels some in ngos and community centers 
uh, and trying to take care of them locally because remember about a week ago the MEA said very clearly just stay where you are don't try and travel back to India and they had been trying to enforce that so uh, yes Jen for the foreseeable future it looks like they are not identifying any more Indians that need to be brought back those who were in transit were a particular case because they were actually stuck inside airports which is you can imagine no baths the food running out um, very few other flights are, are going anywhere else as well uh, so they were well and truly stuck for all these days uh, so it's important that all the transit passengers that uh, of Indians in any part of the world uh, are now back according to the government okay so Hasni we'll continue to keep a track on this and um, as we mentioned, we're mostly in a lockdown. Both of us are working from home. But yeah, we'll, we'll continue to do this uh, series every day. Uh, so stay safe and thank you. I'll speak to you right. tomorrow. Stay home, stay safe, Jen. Take care.